Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Transforming Trauma, I'm Eve. In my day job as a clinical social worker, it's all about problem solving and supporting people through major life transitions. I am driven by my belief in the healing power of our relationships with each other and with caring professionals. On this show, you'll hear from many colleagues and courageous trauma survivors who have chosen to share their stories of recovery. They believe, just as I do, that it's time for a new narrative about sexual violence that does not require survivors to perform victimhood. Our hope is that sharing their stories will be helpful to you, the listener. We've often changed their names and taken steps to make sure they feel protected. I'm humbled by the opportunity to host them and hope you'll hear yourself in these conversations and realize you're not as alone in the struggle. Maybe it'll inspire you to connect with someone you love about your own recovery. Transforming Trauma is presented in partnership with Rachel Grant Coaching, and more resources can be found at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now on to the show. I'm very excited to have here with me my guest, Julia, who will be sharing with us about the gift of survival, why surrendering to your past allows you to hack your mind and direct the decisions driven from your subconscious. First, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about Julia. Julia Andrews represents the National Association of Women's Sales Professionals as the chapter president for Portland, Oregon, and as the founder and creator of the Art of Feminine Selling, a sales methodology that highlights empathy and vulnerability as a strength with an emphasis on mindset and authenticity to self. She's a sales coach and a sales team strategist who's sold over $215 million in sales and who brings her expertise from working over two decades as a top-tier performer in corporate financial services to help and support women not to be afraid of selling and achieve the financial success they envisioned for themselves. Before moving to the U.S., Julia shares that one of her biggest adventures was learning English as a second language, while at the same time learning how to sell as she needed to alleviate the household burden to her single mother with five children. Julia is a survivor of sexual abuse and a victim of incest. So welcome to Transforming Trauma, Julia. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. 
Great. Well, I'll just jump right into our lightning round. What is something that has been a source of inspiration to you lately? You know, I think um, I think we all have to uh, individually, of course, grab onto something that gives you faith and that gives you hope for the future. And I tend to read a lot of books around uh, personal stories or autobiographies of people that have had uh, tremendous adversity in their lives and they've um, found ways to overcome their adversity and to um, be able to do the things that they want to do despite having you know, um, challenges or struggles or uh, deep pains. So I think that reminding myself that you know, we're all human and that we're, we're all living our own journeys in different ways kind of helps me feel um, connected in some way and um, helps me move forward. And, of course, my faith in, uh, in, in God. I'm, I'm a Christian, and I think that that is something that's also uh, allowed me to move forward. So just anchoring yourself, in my, in, in my experience, anchoring on something that you believe, something that gives you hope, has been a, a tremendous um, uh, light in my, in my life. Hmm, I love that. Two, two free yeah. resources that we can all access, our, our faith and, and books that are inspiring and memoirs. That, that's great. I remember as a yeah. kid really gravitating towards memoirs like Anne Frank or um, Rosa Parks, like Harry Tubman, just any, any stories of people overcoming adversity. And I, I wasn't even at that time really processing a lot, but just in my own way, seeking that connection like you described. And that's certainly something I, I continue to do is, is look for that strength and resilience and see myself reflected back through those stories. That's, that's really cool. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, what, what would absolutely. you say is a common myth about trauma that you'd like to dispel? Well, um, I think that sometimes we may think, maybe if we don't understand it fully or we're not, you know, we don't know necessarily someone personal that has had uh, specifically like sexual abuse or sexual trauma. You may think that maybe um, they're maybe weak or maybe they were preyed on because it was easy or some of the, some of the most courageous and um, just people that with, with a winning attitude have been people that I've met through trauma. And they have an incredible resilience in life. Um, and I think that it's, it's not like the fault of, of the person that has the myth about it. Maybe it's because they're, they're not well-informed. But I think that um, a myth could be just thinking that people, that they're it's different or they're, they're sensitive or they're, you know, just, just different from everybody else. And I quite frankly see it as, you know, people that are just incredibly strong-minded, incredibly willful to survive. Right, and that's that narrative shift where we only really hear about the, the victimhood stories, so to really recognize all the strength and and perseverance and skillfulness that allows people to survive and then to go on to thrive. A lot of times it is that yeah. adversity that contributes to 
Um, what I've read is called post, post-traumatic growth. So a different yeah. way to look at it. And that's certainly the same as what I'd say I, I've found in a lot of survivors I've met over the years that they um, have better boundaries and, and more fortitude and um, compassion and empathy and um, clarity. So many, many, many strengths. Um, I know, share, yeah. Um, I mean, we've had to we've had to learn, right? So that's that's helped greatly. Yes, yes. Can you share about your journey and, and where you're at today, and how the work that you're doing is influenced by the past, if at all? Yeah. So, I mean, my my journey of trauma has been. I mean, you can see it in 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 my in my life now but not in the sense of, of negative entirely. I mean, I would be lying to say that it has not, you know, affected in, in just in every single way. But, um, but, but what I've really tried to do, and I'll go back to the beginning, has been to, to utilize that in, in a way that, that pushes me forward and that does think better, that betters my life and betters the life of the people around me. I was eight years old when I was sexually abused by my biological father. So for the, between ages eight and 14, um, our family life was really a living hell. My father was an alcoholic, and he was very volatile in his personality. One day he was smiling, the other day he was angry. It was always like walking on eggshells at home, and I was uh, the second of five, so a lot of the times um, my oldest sister, who was uh, almost two years older than me, and I would kind of spend time like protecting my older, my younger siblings and, and making sure that, you know, they, they were okay. But the, the, the picture that I'm painting was really of a very hostile environment. Um, my mom did not have a say in anything. It was very... Um, like authoritative, like like he would almost include her as part of like of the children. Like she really didn't have um, a point of view in the relationship or a say in the marriage. And the majority of the time, there was him yelling at her and us trying to not cross him so we wouldn't get like beaten up or um, uh, just just um, treated badly in that moment if we could avoid it. And I I remember when I was in third grade thinking like. You know, when you're in school, what you want to do is get out of school and go home and play. And I would remember always just wanting to be in school because going home was this, like, nightmare. And it was almost like it was a very vicious cycle because um, when you're that young and you don't know any better, you don't know other families, how the dynamics, per se, you think that what you're living is probably what everybody's living around you. You don't share any of these things because, you know, you're supposed to, well, at least for in my, in my family, was kind of like hush-hush kind of thing. And I, 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 I didn't know any difference, um, but it was sometimes it was made believe at home that everything was okay. This was normal. This was fine. And then um, uh, my father would, he wouldn't like, openly in front of like my mom or my sisters and stuff abuse me but he would try to trick me into like it's our own secret and nobody should know about it and of course I loved my father even though he was a tyrant I think you know the source of love and 
and survival and children are their parents. So I wanted his approval. And when when I first told my older sister, she immediately had this instinct that that was so wrong. And I was so afraid that my father was going to be mad at me, my mom was going to be mad at me. Now all of a sudden I'm the, the center of of chaos. Like I provoked all this chaos. And the bomb erupted basically at home. And now it was like if he was temperamental before, he was a thousand times more. And it was just a very just a very terrible environment for us. Um, when I turned 14 or 14 years old, my mom, um, and I'm obviously speaking uh, through stages and years, my mom started recognizing that half of her face was starting to paralyze out of the stress that she was in and out of the scenario and situation. And she she didn't want to tell anybody of her family members, but they all knew that my dad was crazy. Um, and she took the made the bold move of leaving him. Um, and we moved in with a family member, and she took all of us in, which, you know, six of us, five kids, and my mom. And it, there was this, still this um, environment of my dad trying to control everything, and my mom had been a stay-at-home mom forever, so she kind of, she had dependent all these years financially, you know, on him, and that was probably the very first time that I felt safer when we left, but I never felt safe enough until we moved from Mexico to the U.S., and I was 17 at the time, where he couldn't just show up at our place or house and, and kind of, you know, do all his uh, theoretical um, kind of trying to, 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 you know, make my mom do whatever he wanted to do, uh, he wanted to be with us and, and kind of guilt her into why she had left and being a bad mother and such. And um, all throughout this time, I was always pretending that things were okay with me and that things were fine, and it was just like a ticking time bomb inside of me of how I saw myself and how I viewed, you know, life. And I could say that um, I really never saw someone to help me uh, because I was very embarrassed and very afraid of being judged or being labeled, being looked at differently. And um, it, it... definitely impacted, you know, the, the friends that I had, um, I, I, the marriage that I was in. The first marriage that I had was with a man that um, I felt was a protector. So almost like like seeking out what I, I didn't have when I was a child, which was protection. Um, but I knew that I knew that I needed to to kind of, kind of come clean with myself and, and talk about what was going on with me, but it was such a hard thing for me to do. And when that relationship, obviously, I mean, it was not set up for success, um, dissolved, and I, uh, I moved from San Diego to L.A., I almost, like, decided that I needed, like, I needed to, to change. Like, I needed, and that change involved... Um, 
opening up, you know, what was happening with me. Why was I had so much so much trouble having boundaries? Why was I so afraid of stirring the pot? Why was I not assertive? I had a very, you know, difficult time being assertive. You know, all those things that I now had at least made the effort of opening up and, and, and looking at them. And I remember starting to buy parenting books on different subjects, you know, of, you know, how to, how to parent children, um, how to, to do it for myself and to, to, to discover myself as to why was I reacting in all these ways. And throughout this whole time, um, I guess I skipped on the working and helping my mom I felt like I had this strength, this, this power inside of me that, that felt like there's nothing worse that I'll ever have to deal with other than what I dealt with when I was a child and when I was, you know, a teenager. And wow. that allowed me to do so many things that I probably otherwise wouldn't because nothing, no amount of embarrassment, no amount of fear, no amount of anything would compare to the pain that I endured. And and I, I recognize how that, in that moment, I, I guess I didn't realize it, but later in life I recognized that that was, that was a, a, um, an advantage point or a strength, if you will. Mm-hmm. In some yeah, way. I just want to just want to pause you. I've been been quiet because I've just been taking in your story, and I'm just completely blown away. There's there's so much so much there, and thank you for your courage and naming the the abuse you experienced from by your father because that's just not a story that we hear often, and there's so many reasons why. But I I'm glad you've gotten to a point in your life where that that feels safe and important to name. Um, I know when I first reached out to you, it was because I was like, there's a, somebody's speaking about what it's like to be an incest survivor in, in public media, and you just, you just don't see that. So thank yeah. you for your, your leadership. It really makes a huge difference. And it seems like once you had a sense of safety from him, that was when you kind of had a, had a turning point of kind of having that ability to, to recognize that you're, you're safe and you have all this potential and, and power to to do what you need to do to, to thrive. So I'm, I'm so yeah. inspired and it seems like you were doing a lot of this on, on your own. Like you didn't, you weren't kind of seeking professional help. Is that right at that point? Yeah. I guess it was mostly because I was embarrassed. I mm-hmm. couldn't probably look anybody in the face and, and share what was happening because yeah. as a child, I, w- I thought that I had provoked all of this. Right. Because it's and, easier to it's easier to blame yourself when you're trying yeah. to survive. You kind of need to to trust the adults in your life. So that makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense. It's easier to to be the problem, even though that obviously doesn't doesn't, doesn't serve anyone and isn't the truth. Right. It right. Your fault. Yeah. Um, so what what was it like for your your siblings to have this come out? And has that been a, a challenge for you in terms of wanting to be public with your story? You know, I think that um, we were we were super close to each other and super, you know, 
we love each other and we support each other. And they were very okay with it. They were very supportive. And they, we actually, something that, that we did as a, as a family to, to really declare it stops here. We cut ties with a lot of family members that were either not willing to, to look at the, the, what was happening in, in, the, in the family um, or, or were turning a blind eye, you know, a blind eye or, or not wanting to acknowledge that this was an issue and a problem and, and something that had been going on in, in different parts of, you know, on my, on my dad's side and also on my mom's side. And there was a lot of people that were not very happy but as a as a family unit and my immediate family, my 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 siblings and my mom, we we took a stand saying that let's call things for what they are and not and let's stop pretending. And um as far as I'm concerned, the only people that are important for me are my immediate family and my husband, you know, having support and that's that was that was all that I that I needed um, in order to speak up and, and not and, and tell the truth, the truth that it's uncomfortable to tell, but it's reality, and that people need to hear it because it happens more than people want to admit and people want to realize because it is very disturbing, and mm-hmm. to a degree. Um, you know, it's not something you want to you wanna talk about for the sake of talking about it. You want to talk about it because you want to raise awareness and making sure that, that nobody has to go through this. And what are the signs and what are the little things that people can look at to prevent something like that from happening? Well, yeah, I mean, we're so, we're so lucky to hear your story on, on the podcast and I'm definitely going to include in the show notes the, the Bustle article. How did the opportunity to share on that platform come about and what was it like for you once it was out there? Did you, did you hear from so, <laughs> Did you have a vulnerability was, hangover? But yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that, um, I think that it, it was I uh, about almost three years ago um, that I had been, well, since I went to LA and I started kind of really looking at my life and looking at the things that were not, you know, supporting who I wanted to be. I didn't know a lot of things, but I knew what I didn't want in my life. And what I didn't want is to pretend anymore. I wanted to be free to be myself. But there was a lot of uh, fear, a lot of, um, you know, shame, and, and I had to deal with that. I had to, to constructively deal with that in a way to heal myself. And uh, when I was working, fast forward to like seven years, you know, I was, had a, a really good working environment, relationship, et cetera, I decided to, to leave that, that very comfortable life and that great uh, career and kind of start my own thing. And that's where I realized that now, I was going to be the brand and I was going to be the face of my company. And a lot of the fears came back up. Like, it was like, oh, my God, now I have to share who I am. I don't think I want to do that. But, but I, mm-hmm. I kind of do. 
And I had to undergo a lot of leadership work, a lot of uh, now getting into sharing my, talking about the things that, the fears and the trauma and the, you know, because all these, these emotions were dictating my actions. And if I wanted to live a more, you know, open life in, in terms of like sharing, I had to, now I was being forced by myself, nobody else, right? to really deal with, with these issues that were holding me back from really shining or from really sharing about who I was. And the more I wanted to, to be out there, the more issues were coming up inside of me that I had not dealt before. So I, went, I underwent a lot of leadership work. And one of the people in the leadership training that I took um, her name is Heather Box, and, and she, she um, helps people tell their story. And when I knew about what she did, I immediately knew that I had to meet her and maybe even work with her, and I did. And it was one of the most difficult things I had to do because I had to share my story. Well, that transcended into... Um, she was in contact with the editors of, of Bustle, and there was a piece coming out on survival. And she shared with me, she's like, Julia, this is an opportunity for your story to be out there. And I remember just like my heart just sinking, like, oh, my God. Like, this is, this, is, uh, this is very vulnerable and very open. But at the same time, she said to me something that I had never really never really considered, and, and it was this. Do you know that your story has the power to heal people? <laughs> I thought to myself, like, how in the world can that be possible, right? Like, mm. I was almost offended by that. But then I realized, if I was really being honest with myself, that I could have probably... Uh, uh, I could have probably heard or seen or read more stories about somebody like me that had, you know, survived it, that had become, you know, successful, that had, there was a woman, that it was, you know, all this other stuff that could at least help me. And removing myself from that and, and, and focusing now on the, the greater cause of maybe somebody's going to read this that is going to, uh, that's going to make an impact for them or is going to help them really gave me the courage to get myself out of the way and really do it to really benefit um, people that, that need to see that. So That's so beautiful. It wasn't you know, it's like a, a sense of a higher purpose and really yeah. taking in taking in that wisdom um, that you said Heather Box offered you that this this is an opportunity and um, I feel like a lot of your story just highlights you know that it's not that you weren't feeling any fear or hesitation through all of this reckoning it was that you were you were choosing to to go through the only way around is through so um, I'm super inspired hearing that. It wasn't always, it wasn't necessarily easy, but you really you know, you no. had to confront why was it hard to be assertive, why why were boundaries difficult, you know, why why is all this fear bubbling up again and, and really um confronting it head on. So what would you say is like um a practice that has been healing for you? You mentioned your your faith. Is there any kind of daily 
ritual or regular exercise, anything that you do that yes. you can be <laughs> Yeah. I mean, one, one thing is that you're, you're always, even though you get to understand your mind a little bit better, you get to see and observe how you're reacting to things. And, and I think that um, there's always things that you're unpacking. There's, I mean, I'm 40 years old. This happened 32 years ago, and I'm still, you know, processing different things that that come up and how I react. And now I'm, I'm, I'm I've done it so much that I trained myself to instead of making myself wrong for a thought or making myself, you know, feel bad about something. I'm I'm more of the observer. Like, oh, interesting. Where did this come up? And here's what I do um, when I'm finding myself being triggered over something, over anything. It could be a movie, a a particular scene, or it could be something that someone says, anything like that. Uh, What I first try to do is kind of write it down. And when I I heard, God, and I wish I I remembered the name of this doctor, a neuroscience doctor, so I can give that person credit, but um, they showed a kind of like a three-step or a four-step process that I completely latched onto Mm -hmm. that is the first thing you can do when you're having thoughts like that and you're feeling very like it's controlling your mind or it's controlling how your, your, your emotions is to write it down. Like, what did I feel right now? What just went through my mind? And what happens is when you write it down, it, you take it out of your brain for a second out of your subconscious for a second, right? And you can see it from a, an adult perspective because sometimes the, the reactions that we have are from that child or are from that time that maybe you never healed and you, you, you didn't realize that you have to heal it now, right? But it came up like somebody made you feel a certain way and uh, you reacted very, you know, uh, feeling like, like why is this person talking to me like this, or the tonality I, I didn't I didn't feel safe, or something that triggers. It has nothing really to do with the person or the thing or whatever's happening in that moment. It does have to do with some memory that got triggered. So writing it down allows you to take it out of your head and see it with the eyes of an adult. See it with a logical mind as opposed to that emotional reaction. And when you are when you realize it and you record you're 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 recording it basically, the doctors say you record it. So you put it you you little by little you're taking something out of your subconscious, right? And bringing it into the conscious. So that you're understanding like, wow, if this happens to me again, uh I can I can understand where it's coming from and not make yourself wrong for it. Um, and then what you do, I love when the doctor said you, now you, once you have it on paper and you can see it with a more analytical mind, a more adult mind, you're able to say, if this is true, you're able to basically, um, create a statement about why this is not true. Like, I'll give you a very basic example just to, to make sure that everybody that's hearing this gets my point. It's like mm-hmm. the, the most common thing for people is saying, like, well, I'm not good enough. 
or something something triggered you and you're like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to, you know, match up to this or whatever. So you write it down. I'm not good enough. Where is this coming from? Was I told things like that when I was young? Did I feel that way a lot when I was young? And then you write down things that prove yourself otherwise. I am good enough because I have the knowledge to do this. I am good enough because I've helped people. I am good enough. I am qualified. So you start creating a case around a thought or feeling that is not true. And that Mm. simple thing that I've done has helped me so much because so many times we are our worst critic and we will say something about ourselves right, and just, just not even think twice about it. But when we get into a habit of writing down all those things that we say about, you know, or, or to, our, to ourselves, you get to realize what are the things that are really helping me and what are things that I'm telling, saying to myself that are really not helping me in my life are actually helping me get, stay more stuck, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's really that that mindfulness and getting space between the, the triggering event and and your mind. So putting it down on paper and being able to bring that curiosity you mentioned seems like it's been super healing. That's very very practical, and I'm definitely putting that into to my virtual pocket right now. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for for sharing that. It does sound very transformative and and something that you can do any day, every day, as many times as you yeah. need. Um, to really separate those experiences and, and connect with your adult self and, and the wisdom and, and resources that you have and to brainstorm kind of ideas that, that challenge those those beliefs that I'm not good enough and whatever the belief is, how to kind of check, yeah. check the facts, as I like to say. Um, well, I hope, Julie, that you consider writing writing a book. If you're not already, there's clearly so much more to talk about. Um, I'd love to, for this conversation, wrap up mm-hmm. by asking you, what the phrase transforming trauma means to you, and then I'll also see if you have anything that you want to um, impart that I might not have asked. Yeah. So what does transforming um, trauma mean to you? You know, I, I, um, I never, you know, I spent so much, so much time in my life thinking, like, why did this happen to me? You know, and, and kind of in that space and, and trying to figure it out. And the reality is that, Focusing on that is going to bring more negativity or more kind of like questions about why. There's no reason why. There was just insert you and, and it just happened. But the phrase transforming trauma is really looking at all the things that, that brought resilience, you know, um, believing in yourself, um, getting to know your mind, getting to know your inner workings, um, having this incredible uh, empathic and vulnerable heart towards people and wanting to help them. And I think that, if anything, it's brought me more closer to, to people, to humans, to, to understanding that we are all going through something and um, helping, you know, helping with a simple um, smile, um, asking people how they are um, is is a way of also transforming your own uh, what has happened to you and not allowing that to define who you are in this world. Mm, thank you so much. Just got the chills listening to you. 
Um, I really appreciate your authenticity and, and vulnerability here. Um, I want to thank you for being on Transforming Trauma and um, want to invite folks to visit your website, um, juliaandrews.com, and I'll be sure to also link the Art of Feminine Selling Facebook group and an interview with Bustle and San Diego Voyager. Um, so thank you for tuning in, listeners, and joining us today. Don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com and learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore the other resources available on the site. And please subscribe to this podcast. We have much more to share. Um, thanks again, Julia. Thank you so much. It's been, um, it's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.